Welcome, everyone, to the new episode of the Truth and Rally Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Roman, reporter in the middle of nowhere. So this past Monday, the free agency frenzy has started. While teams are able to negotiate contracts, deals cannot be made, cannot be agreed upon and finalized until March 15th after 4 p.m. at 4 p.m. Now, one thing I'll say about the NFL offseason that, that I always find interesting, I, I don't know if the average friend actually focuses on this, but there's the whole salary cap thing and, and what teams got to do in order to make certain deals happen. And is one of the reasons why it's very interesting to me is guys may have signed a contract a year ago, two years ago, or three years ago, but because of salary cap issues, now the GM goes to them, the team president goes to them and say, well, we need to restructure your contract because we don't have enough salary cap space. And sometimes the players are w- willing to work with the GM and the team president in order to help the salary cap. And sometimes they're not, which leads to a player possibly either being released or a team making a limited, limited amount of moves in order to increase its chances of signing free agents and even signing drafted players. Or you got teams who have a choice of releasing guys. Now, here's the thing with the releasing guys. You have, you could release guys pre-June 1st or post-June 1st. And you got to look at certain contracts and you got to look at what do you save if you, if you release the guy pre-June 1st versus post. Now, here's an example. Kenny Galladay for the New York Giants did not work out, right? The Giants need salary cap. Now, they ha- the Giants have an option. They can release him pre-June 1st and only save $6.7 million and get that extra $6.7 million added to the salary cap that they currently have. Or they can release him post-June 1st and gain 13. Now, to the average person... You want the $13 million, but if you wait until then, you limit yourself in terms of in terms of getting a salary cap that can help you sign free agents and sign your draft picks because June is three months away, and long story short, you need the money now. So guys like Kenny Galladay get, get released now. The Giants only get $6.7 million versus the $13 million if they had just waited. And I find it so crazy how this could happen. How it's so crazy how you can is I think being millionaire is the, the like probably one of the best things that can ever happen to people because you never leave without millions. You know, in the past couple of years, you have have guys who gotten fired from net TV networks in other places, but because of the contract and the whole money issue, they still left with millions. So they didn't really lose; they left with millions in their pocket. It's the same with these guys who get released. Kenny Galladay or others have been released, but at the same time, there's money that's attached to them that they call the dead cap, which means you're not paying them the full salary that they were supposed to make that year, but because of negotiations and what have you, you have to give them a certain portion. You're still required to pay these players. So did they really lose? No. Did they really win? Not e- not so much either. But the idea that you get to re- get released from any job and you're leaving with money 
is actually a blessing versus uh, something you don't like or something that you may hate. In terms of deals, you know, I could sit here in, in this podcast and give you so many ideas of what I think teams should be doing, what deals are good, what deals are bad. But long story short, until we see the season, until we see these guys play, until we see what these teams do in the draft, you can't really go and say, I like a deal. Because I liked the Kenny Galladay deal prior to him um, when he signed with the Giants because he looked like a number one option when he signed uh, with the Giants after spending a couple years with the Detroit Lions where he had back-to-back 1,000-yard career um, seasons and he just looked like a great target, but he didn't pan out. So I could sit here and tell you that the linebacker that signed with this team made the team better the the offensive lineman made the other team better or this offensive player made him better. I mean, the only thing I can tell you about this free agency is that the whole wide receiver market sucks. No team is really going to get a number one, a true number one guy. The tight end market is a little bit better. Next offseason has a press for options of helping teams improve overall. So we'll see. We'll see if if teams really use the salary cap. We'll see if teams actually actually made uh, good deals on that once the season has started. So another thing that's happening in the NFL, besides the whole free agency and offseason, is what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers. It seems like Aaron Rodgers has been an ongoing drama for the past month or or more for the Green Bay Packers and for the NFL. You know, on January 7th was his last game he played for the Packers, where he lost to the Detroit Lions and the Detroit Lions stopping the Packers from making the playoffs. But it's taken over 67 days before Aaron Rodgers says, oh, I want to come back. Prior to going to the darkness, and, th- and basically he made it seem like when he thought he was going back, back to the Packers, that there was 90% chance that he was going to retire and 10% that he was going to return. But I think it's crazy. You know, I think it's crazy in the sense that this guy has basically focused, got all his focus on him to say now he wants to go to the Jets. Now that they got Lizard and they have Nathaniel Hackett and whoever else that he likes, that they are a team of desire. They're a team that he, he um, is willing to play with and, and, and play again. You know, another Brett Favre in terms of for the Jets. Will Aaron Rodgers come in and be better than Brett Favre? But here's the problem. Everyone is linking Aaron Rodgers to the Jets, but yet the deal has not been made, which makes me scared as a fan. If I was a Jets fan, does he is he going to come? All the Packers holding him hostage. Because right now it seems that the Packers want a first-round draft pick. And if the Jets really wanted to get rid of their first-round draft pick in order to acquire Aaron Rodgers, they would have done it already. So in the end, will he go to the Jets? Everything says yes, but there's no deal. Nothing's negotiated. And maybe get dragged on even more. Or may not even happen. Think about it. I understand the Packers' point of view. We're going to give you a future Hall of Famer 
who will instantly make you one of the best teams in the AFC. And when we're supposed to settle for less than a first round draft pick. No, thank you. Yes, they probably get some salary cap space with the trade for Evan Rodgers. But lo and behold, what do we get back in return? Are they looking at the possibility that if they get the Jets uh, uh, pick, that they have an impact player coming their way if they get their pick in this upcoming draft and the future and more? But it's crazy. Everyone is saying he's going to come go to the Jets. And we don't know that yet because nothing seems close. They just seem the most, they just seem like the most logical point of view. And the longer this takes, the longer Jeff fans may even be, be like, why didn't we get Jimmy Garoppolo or Carr, or Carr onto, into the team? Why are we going back to Aaron Rodgers? Here's the other issue that uh, adds itself to Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, there's no commitment with him. The idea that he can't make a commitment quick, the idea that he's always making it seem like he's going to retire the last two off seasons. How do you give up a first on draft pick if a guy doesn't show his commitment early, that he always seems like he's gone into the next off season, potentially retiring like he has the last two off seasons. So how do the Jets get rid of a first on draft pick for a guy who is only going to play one season? If he says, I want to go to the Jets, I'll play another three or four years. I think the Jets would make the move. But the idea that he has prolonged his decision in committing to the upcoming season kind of it will hurt the Jets if they give a first-round draft pick versus maybe giving a guy, uh, giving them a draft pick from the third or the fourth or the fifth round versus the first round. So we'll see what happens. Does Aaron Rodgers get traded? As of right now, it's not close. All the... This is a this is a big poker face poker game between the Jets and the Packers. Who will win in having the best poker face? Because right now the Jets are saying first round draft pick is too high, and right now the Packers say the only way that we're going to give you him, give you Aaron Rodgers, is a first round draft pick. So we'll see who wins. We'll see if the Jets are able to make the Packers flinch. And the, Packers, and the Packers want maybe a third round or a fifth round draft pick, which I think the Jets would do quicker in terms of um, um, in, in terms of make a decision. But they're going to hold on to the cards and the pieces that they have uh, so they see if they can make the Packers flinch and make them go for a lower uh, pick versus a higher pick in the draft. Off to the NBA. So in the NBA right now, there are teams that have between 10 and 14 games left in the, in the NBA season. Even with the, uh, LeBron James out the past two weeks, three weeks, the Lakers are still in, in play. They're in a play on spot right now, and they have an opportunity to claim the sixth seed in the Western Conference. Now, the Mavs got Kyrie Irving, and they thought that they were going to get this marvelous player, but instead have gone 3-5 and five and, not, and has not worked to their favor. Just like the Clippers. The Clippers signed Russell Westbrook and have gone 4-5. and five. They lost the first five games after signing uh, Russell Westbrook, but in the last four, they have won. But here's the funny thing about the Clippers, and I probably said this before. Like I told you in the past, splits is a very interesting thing that you could find on ESPN 
or many other uh, uh, many other websites that have talk about teams and players. And the reason why it's interesting is they tell you certain statistics. How a guy is in each month, how a guy plays home versus away, how a guy may play day versus night, how uh, what guy's statistics was against each team, etc. and so forth. But the thing that makes me look at the, the uh, LA Clippers a little bit harder is the whole fact that Kawhi Leonard has been hurt for, major- for over 20 games this season so far, right? And the thing that's interesting is that when when you look at the splits for Ka- Kawhi Leonard and the winning percentage winning percentage that he has when he plays with the Clippers, the what if factor c- comes about, and the what if factor c- uh, gets uh, comes about because I look at the winning percentage of when he plays, and then I multiply that to all the games the Clippers have played so far this season. And you know what I got? I got. A team that's eight games better than what they are right now. A team that right now is the fifth seed, but if Kawhi Leonard played every game this season, they would have been, at this moment, a second seed versus a fifth seed. Crazy, right? It's crazy to think that that um, how a guy can have that much impact. How a team's record is going to get looked at criticize and etc and so forth but that is not examined you know um how how do the clippers go go you know go along with this do the clippers next season is is basically my question do the clippers trade Kawhi Leonard or Paul George or something these guys have shown since they've started that they couldn't stay healthy they're the like I said in the past they're the Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant um, of the Western Conference. And the funny thing is they were acquired and assimilated in the same offseason as, as Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Isn't that crazy? That prior to the to the COVID, COVID uh, situation in America and the world, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant joined forces the same offseason that Kawhi Lennon and Paul George came about. And both have the same issue in the sense that they both teams and all four players haven't stayed healthy enough where they have made a good mark on either team. Just saying. It's just, it's just interesting. Look at splits and you'll be shocked. You know, you will be shocked in the sense that how can a guy be so good home and have elite or above average numbers at home and then he leaves and there's certain players who have below average or just average statistics away. Isn't that crazy? How a guy could be so good during the day and always puts good numbers during the day, but at night, not so much. Take focus on that. There's going to be an issue with a player that sometimes you need to analyze. Did he really suck? Or what did he do at home that he didn't do away? Just saying. So Michael Jordan is selling the Charlotte Hornets. After 17 years of being in Charlotte and being an owner of an NBA team and and becoming a billionaire, Michael Jordan wants out after 17 years. And I don't blame him. In 17 years, this team has lost more than win. 
Maybe he can't bear the losing. Last year, they were a 500 team, and instead of moving forward, they went backwards. Isn't that crazy? Instead of moving forward, they went backwards. Now, um, Lonzo Ball of Chicago is out for the season on the same knee that has been bothering him for now two straight seasons. And now there are rumors that he may even miss next season. Oh my God. How does this happen? How does a team, how does this happen to to this team? Everybody is saying that the NBA players are much more athletic and stronger or whatever than the teams 20, 30 years ago. But yet, you got star players like Lonzo Ball who, when he plays, has made Chicago look like a top-four team in the NBA and in Eastern Conference. And without him, they are below 500 team. And yet again, he's going to be out for the whole season. How in the world does this happen? Just like Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant lasted three games with the uh, Phoenix Suns before he got injured again. And guess how he got injured, ladies and gentlemen? He wasn't at practice. He wasn't in a game. He was in a layup line. He injured his ankle again. Not injured his ankle again. Got injured yet again. This is going to be his legacy. He will go down as the what-if elite player of the 2000s and 20s. What if he stayed healthy? What if he could have scored and been Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's all-time scoring record in fewer games and fewer attempts versus a LeBron James. That's going to be the what-if factor surrounding uh, Kevin Durant, ladies and gentlemen. What if, what if he, what if he stayed healthy? That's going to be his mark more than anything right now, in my opinion. So another thing that was that has been interesting in the NBA besides the whole Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard situation, is there are 30 teams in the NBA. 30 teams. Out of those 30 teams, 24 out of 30 teams have a a home record of 500 or better at home. Out of the play-in teams right now who are the play-in teams, without taking out the whole play-in spot or whatever, but the top 10 teams in both the Eastern and Western Conference, only eight teams are good good at home and away. Only eight teams are good, have a 500 record at home and away. Isn't that crazy? Look at the New uh, New Orleans Pelicans, who, if they were just an average team, Away, this is an average record. Not 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 a not a superior, not a great record. Just average. They could be the fourth place team, in the Western Conference, versus being a team that plays horrible away, and there's the twelfth best team in the Western Conference. How does this happen? How does a team perform great at home or average at home, and can't duplicate it away? What is happening? In the NBA, I don't. I don't even think this, this happens in the NFL this dramatically, or the Major League Baseball, or 
in hockey where teams can have one of the best records at home and also one of the worst records away. The Colorado Rockies are. Colorado Rockies have been that kind of team, excuse me, in baseball. For the past couple seasons, they've always had around a 500 record at home or a little bit better. But away, they've always developed somehow to have one of the worst records away and prevented themselves from being 500 and being a playoff team. But think about that right now with New Orleans. All they have to do is play average oh, in the away games. Win 50-50. And they're fourth seed in the Western Conference. But because they can't duplicate how well they play away at home compared to how they play away, I mean, basically, if they can't play consistent between home and away or whatever, I'm, it's kind of a tongue twister for me for a second. If they cannot play great away like they do at home better, how in the world, how is this, I mean, I'm, I'm going to tongue twist, I'm sorry. But this is, it just baffles me. It baffles me that teams are this bad this season. That 24 teams out of 30 teams are over 500, which is amazing. Which means if you're a fan and you want to see your team or you want to watch it on TV, watch them when they're at home. Because they will give you a more competitive and better game when your team is at home. Don't watch them when they're away. Like the Golden State Warriors. You don't want to watch the Golden State Warriors, the, the uh, NBA um, last year's NBA champions, away games. You don't want to watch it. Because they have proven this whole season that they will lose the majority of the time. But if you watch them at home, they have one of the top records at home. You know they will win. You want to hear the craziest thing too? You know who, who is the best away team? Who plays the best games away? No, not the best games, but they are at 500 or better away. And they're 500 or better at home in the Western Conference. Only one team. One team. That has a, 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 one of the best. Uh, and that's the Kings. I mean, think about that. Think about how. And, do, and here's a second question. Does that make the team even, um, even scary in the playoffs? Because it's saying that they can play great at home. They can play great away. So now they're a dual threat. Which means they don't really need home court advantage in order to win in the playoffs like a team like the Golden State Warriors. Golden State Warriors need to be a home team, need to host a series and at Golden State if they want to continue uh, playing in the playoffs because it shows that if they do that, maybe they'll take every series to Game 7 and then win 4-3 majority of the time because they play so great away. And then we know that they're going to lose every game that's away, and they will win every home that's a home. Isn't that crazy? Think about that. Analyze that. How can this be? How can teams who are over 500 potentially making the playoffs and the under 500 away? How in the world are there 24 teams out of 30 teams at 500 or better, but play poor, but have it, but play poorly and away? And usually that does happen. Usually playing away. There's things that happen where teams don't win. But to this level, I, I don't know if this has ever existed, where teams um, teams have looked this poor away. I think there's been more times where teams who are playoff teams have played average versus playing under 500. But anyway, 
Let's continue. So the World Baseball Classic started uh, last week or so. And, you know, I could say that I never watch. Certain teams watch because they want to feel proud for the country. When we don't have the Olympics, we don't have any, like, major sports or, you know, things that people watch where countries face each other in terms of baseball. The World Baseball Classic does. You know, you have Italy who's playing in the World Baseball Classic and has an espresso machine in the dugout. We have Great Britain. We have Israel. We have so many different countries involved. And this past Wednesday, Dominican Republic versus Puerto Rico, a must-win game for both teams. And Puerto Rico wins the game versus the Dominican Republic. And in the celebration of winning versus the Dominican Republic, while Edwin, with, Edwin Diaz was with his Puerto Rican teammates jumping around in celebration of the win, he injured his leg to the point where he cannot, he's not going to play the whole season for the New York Mets. After signing a, great, a big contract with the Mets and after being considered one of the top five closers in Major League Baseball, after having a season where people loved his Knuckles entrance music, he cannot go out this season with his Knuckles music and have another great season. It's crazy. How much is this going to damage the Mets, Mets season? Who will be the closer? Will it be David Robinson? Will it be who statistically has a better advantage over the hitters in the ninth inning by making a closer by committee? But this is why teams and teams don't, sometimes don't want their players to play in the in the World Baseball Classic. It's because of this. It's because they get hurt. And it changes the outlook to, to certain teams when guys are not available the whole season. Do they still make the playoffs? Do they potentially lose game, close games because the guy who replaced their closer couldn't close out the game? Just saying. Next week, I'll, I'll talk about my whole baseball preview, who I feel will win in the division, who I feel would is going to enter the playoffs as a wildcard team. Um, and more. So WWE in preparation for WrestleMania, you know, I thought with how Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn had their their match, that there was going to be a potential of Cody, Roman, and Sami. Well, instead of doing that, the WWE has had um Sami on this voyage of trying to take down the bloodline. Trying to make effort in taking them down, and one of the situations that 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 has been a that has been happening the past couple of weeks is Jay Uso and Sammy. At one time, Jay Uso was the hard head uh, of the Bloodline who didn't want to welcome Sammy into the Bloodline, and then he became the protector of Sammy. Then he has seemed like he's going through hard times to the point where, in this past Raw, or even before that, or last week. He betrayed Sammy and says, how could he side with him when the Usos and the bloodline is his blood, basically. And Kevin Owens' name became into the picture because Sammy Zayn wants, says that he wants to take down the bloodline and feels the only way that he could do it is with Kevin Owens. And Kevin Owens, since having, Sammy Zayn, since having his match with uh, Reigns, has given 
Owens has given Sammy the cold shoulder and saying that he doesn't want to team up. Why does he get Jay? Why does he get one of the other Usos of the bloodline basically to help him? Where it got Cody Rhodes to join in and trying to help Kevin Owens reconcile, reconcile with Sami Zayn and somehow team up and take down the bloodline. So this past Friday, Cody tried once again. Kevin wasn't having it. Kevin left. And before Kevin left, Sami Zayn and him had an interaction where Sami said, I love you or what have you. Fast forward to the end of SmackDown. And Jay and, and Sami Zayn are talking again, talking about what they feel about the bloodline, what they don't like and whatever, or what have you. To the point where Sami gets attacked again by the Usos. This time, Kevin Owens comes, he rescues him. He rescues Sami Zayn. And they stare at each other, and you hear the fans say, Hug it out. Hug it out. And then they hugged. And the arena and social media blew up with excitement and even cried a little bit because Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens hugged because they know that these two wrestlers have a 20-year relationship. Love and hate has always been the center of both their of their relationship. But the idea that they hugged, it's crazy that it made fans go so crazy because you also kind of know down the line, one of them is going to betray the other. It's this consistent story around the whole Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn relationship. It's been that way for a long time, but lo and behold, fans were excited to see Kevin Owens come to the rescue of Sami Zayn and hug it out. I hope in the WrestleMania we do see Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn beat the Usos and become the new tag champions in WWE. Well, this past week, Bray Wyatt supposedly has an injury. They haven't said in detail form why he's hurt, how he got hurt, but yet, ladies and gentlemen, he is hurt. But then there was a little spin after they did this. And why? Because if you were watching SmackDown, without seeing Bray Wyatt, Bray Wyatt was there because there was a logo, a sign somewhere in the night that says that show Bray Wyatt was around somehow. So the question of the day is, are they going to do the same thing that they did when he first came back, where they kind of showed signs prior to him coming out? And then he comes out, but they're going to show like a series of different things. But I think they're going to try to make it look clues. They're going to try to make you watch SmackDown and like, uh, just don't turn your eye. Don't look at your phone, because if you look at your phone, if you look away and go use the bathroom, you may miss the sign. That Bray is around somewhere. And I like that. I like. It's just like movies. When you watch movies. And there were signs throughout the whole movie. That someone was around. Or something was happening. But you didn't. You couldn't put two and two together. Two and two together. And then at the end of the movie. They start to show you all the little details. In the movie that you missed. That was plainly there, but because you weren't paying attention and didn't realize it, you didn't notice the little clues and little hints that were surrounding it until the end. So we'll see if that's true. We'll see in the next couple of weeks prior, uh, up to, leading up to uh, WrestleMania, is this whole injury thing a fluke? Are they trying to go new angle? Maybe they weren't feeling the whole Bobby Lashley, Bray Wyatt for WrestleMania, and they want to take it into to a new angle. With another wrestler, we'll see what happens. But it's interesting to see that maybe 
Bray Wyatt isn't injured, maybe they want to try to take it in the other angle. And if they do take it at the other angle, who will be his opponent in WrestleMania? Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, that is my episode. Remember to subscribe to any... Remember, go to any podcast apps that you may like. And subscribe to the Truth and Rally podcast. So that you could be made aware when a new episode will be available for your listening ears. Remember also, follow me on social media. On social media... I do my own little promotions videos for the any upcoming uh, episode that I put out there with music and little pictures and little 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 things. Hopefully you like it. So look out for that on, on social media like Instagram and TikTok. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, have a good day and even better night.